This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. And I'm your host, Chris. We are also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now, let's find out what's on JJ's plate today. Today, we are sharing the story of tomatoes. Today, tomatoes are the most widely grown fruit, yes, fruit, in the home gardens of America. But believe it or not, it wasn't until the mid-1800s that the tomato became a staple in the United States. Tomatoes were initially considered to be poisonous by most American settlers, although they were grown and consumed throughout pre-Civil War America by several Native American tribes and the Creoles of New Orleans. But how did such a taboo reputation develop? Let's take a few million steps back to the beginning. The wild tomato originates from coastal South America and is native to the Andean regions of Chile, Ecuador, and Peru. Archaeological evidence suggests that the tomatoes were first cultivated further north in Central America by the Aztecs and Incas as early as 700 AD, and that these first fruits were berry-sized and likely golden yellow in color. In the 16th century, Spanish conquistadors discovered the fruit growing in the native gardens when Cortes conquered Mexico City, and they brought seeds home to Spain. From there, the tomato made its way throughout Europe, its name likely an adaptation or mispronunciation of the Aztecan word for the fruit, tomatl, T-O-M-A-T-L. However, that was neither the first nor the last name given to the exotic fruit once its seed began to spread across Europe in the 17th century. Many Europeans nicknamed it the poison apple and believed that the tomato was extremely poisonous. This misconception was possibly perpetuated because the tomato was in fact known to display characteristics of deadly nightshades and other poisonous plants, being of the same botanical classification in the Solanaceae family. However, the poisonous rumors propagated from a false accusation against the defenseless fruit. One of the methods that helped spread the rumors was the fact that many of the wealthy European class had gotten sick and perished after eating tomatoes. The missing piece of the story, however, is that it was common for aristocrats to eat off of pewter plates, which were high in lead content at that time period. The highly acidic yet harmless tomatoes would have had the ability to leach lead from those particular plates, resulting in many deaths caused by lead poisoning. But with no immediate connection made between the plate and the poisonings, the tomato fruit itself was framed as the deadly wrongdoer, earning itself the foreboding nickname Poison Apple. Interestingly, the Italians took most enthusiastically and fearlessly to the tomato, actually incorporating it into their everyday cooking culture, and today the tomato is essentially inseparable from Italian cuisine. It was the Italian herbalist Pietro Andre Mattioli who made one of the earliest known European references to the tomato as a food when he first classified the golden apple, known in Italian as pomidoro, as a nightshade and also as a mandrake a food category known for its aphrodisiac properties. Perhaps driven by Mathioli's classification, and further fueled by the French name for the fruit, Pomme d'Amour, or Love Apple, the tomato's already shady reputation earned notoriety as a sinful temptation. It wasn't until the late 1800s, around the time that pizza was invented in Naples, Italy, that the tomato garnered widespread popularity across Europe. 
But wait, if the tomato was conceivably named golden apple because of its appearance, when did the tomato turn red? Well, the Italians' passion for growing and using the fruit could have prompted a red variety, or because the English valued the tomato as an ornamental, they could be responsible for cultivating a red variation. Some even speculate that the term golden apple was first applied to the tomatillo, a close relative of the tomato that was also brought to Europe from the New World. Tomatillo fruits are more yellow-green in color, and they could have been considered interchangeable with the tomato, hence the name stuck for both. As for the word apple that found its way into each description of the tomato, which, as we know, is not an apple, it actually comes from the early languages where apple was simply a generic term for all fruit. With its less-than-stellar resume as a food item, the tomato plant and fruit was adopted into English culture purely as an ornamental, and it was likely reintroduced into the Americas by English colonists who utilized the tomato in a decorative, not culinary, capacity. The tomato continued to be grown for its aesthetics in America until Thomas Jefferson, who had none of the English culinary qualms with the fruit, began cultivating it as a food crop at Monticello, his home in Virginia, and even at the White House during his presidency in the early 1800s. With Thomas Jefferson's rather public endorsement, the negative stigma around tomatoes slowly faded in the United States. Other Americans were enticed into experimenting with the tomato as a culinary ingredient. By the late 1890s, the Campbell Soup Company was up and running, producing canned tomatoes, among other items like jellies and condiments. In 1897, a 24-year-old innovative chemist working for the company, Dr. John T. Dorrance, invented condensed soup. Working hard at just $7.50 a week, and he even had to buy his own lab equipment, Dorrance realized that condensing soup by extracting the water out meant lower packing and shipping costs. The first soup to be introduced and popularized in the market was condensed tomato soup, which to this day we can find at our local grocery stores. Fast forward to shortly after World War II. With advances in the highway and railroad systems in the United States came the ability to transport produce great distances. However, the tasty whole tomatoes of the time were very delicate and did not stand up to shipping. Hence, hybridization programs were created to breed a tomato of uniform appearance with thicker skin to withstand distribution. Hybridization goals included appearance, disease resistance, adaptability to mechanical harvesting and multiple growing zones, and optimum handling characteristics, while flavor was nearly irrelevant. Consumers eventually began to complain that market tomatoes had lost their taste and tenderness, and interest arose in recovering old varieties, with their delectable tomato flavor and quirky variations in size, shape, and color. With this increased interest in old varieties, Seed companies are now growing heirloom tomatoes for specialty catalogs, and the selection of heirloom seeds available in America is continuously growing. Join us in our next Food Buzz episode as we explore a more detailed explanation or lay out the argument of an heirloom tomato versus a hybrid tomato and some of the distinguishing characteristics of the actual tomato plant. folks that concludes this week's episode be sure to follow at specially produce app on instagram for some amazing produce photos and while you're on there give us a follow at plated earth as always you can find more information recipe ideas and spots of local produce on the specially produce app tune in next time for some food fables and remember cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education we'll catch you next time